Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking and ICBA Securities. My name is Byron Earnhardt, and I'm the Programming Director at Barrett. It is our mission here to serve the community banking industry with information that is informative, relevant, and hopefully we'll have a little fun along the way. So, from Memphis, Tennessee, home of banking, blues, and barbecue, welcome to our little corner of the community banking world. And we hope that we can make your bank, your staff, or maybe just even your day a better one. Okay, welcome back to the Main Street Banking Podcast. Uh, Today, we've got something a little bit different. And if you've listened to the podcast any amount of time, you know that we're not afraid to try kind of new and I won't say weird, but creative ideas. Uh, right now, we've got uh, our faculty member, uh, Dr. David Kern, who's taught for us for quite a while at, at the graduate school. He also, uh, in, in his in his real job, is the, uh, the head of the banking department at Arkansas State University in, in Jonesboro. And he teaches in the fall his bank management class um, that is just more much more textbook oriented. And then in the spring, he's wrapping up now his advanced bank management, where they do a lot more real-world uh, uh, applications. They do run bank sim. They do labs. Um, so these students have gone through quite a bit of bank training. Um, and from talking to them before we hit record, there's a, some future bankers uh, in here, future regulator. There's there's some there's this is the best and brightest that uh, that that's out there. So what I thought we'd do. I don't know if it's a reward for them, but what I thought we'd do at the end of their class, uh, at the end of the time here, uh, is to find out from them people, uh, and these are these are college graduates getting ready to enter the workforce, what they're looking for in a bank, and then have them ask questions as informed students, uh, have them ask questions of, of the banking industry. And so just kind of a chance to have a roundtable conversation very relaxed, very low-key, uh, very honest uh, look as to what they're looking for and what their questions that they have about the banking industry. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, y'all have survived a whole two-semester term with Dr. David Kern. Uh, yes, I understand. And, and there are some there are some alums of uh, the graduate school that are wondering if they've had to do all the Fred charts that uh, – <laughs> that our, our grad school alumni have so there's a lot of empathy for you on this episode <laughs> but um but yeah i mean just f- far away uh you know what are some things that y'all look for in a bank or as you think about your careers what are y'all looking for in, in a bank i like to see how much more they're gearing towards technology mm-hmm. because institutions like fintech institutions right now are sort are sort of taking over Mm-hmm. So being able to create an account online, doing everything online without going into a branch, mm-hmm. I'd like to see banks sort of gear towards that a little bit because I think that's where it's going. Cool. Do you find that that's, um, I mean, it, and that's something you're looking for is that convenience on, on the digital side for your own personal business? Yeah, it, it's definitely convenience and that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, it, I mean, the older generation is getting older and the younger is getting older as well. So the generation that's coming up right now grew up in technology. They're looking for convenience. They're looking for ways to get it done and get it done quick. Mm. Well said. Well said. Thank you. What's some other things y'all are looking for in a bank as you start out? 
let's go again. Thomas had some ideas and they kind of had also a, a little different take on, you know, how, how much you want. So I'll let Thomas tell kind of what he was thinking about. And, and then, you know, Jared kind of had one idea and Thomas had one idea. So we're fire away. Uh, well, I believe that I should be able to do everything through my phone. I did, I set up my auto loan through my phone. One less thing I have to go into an office for creates more time for me to do other things that I'm passionate about or maybe learn more about fintech on my own without having to, like I said, if I have to go sit for a couple hours or even longer just to do paperwork for a loan, when I could do it from my phone off and on. So that's a huge difference for me. So I try to look, I try to make sure that my bank is able to provide all of that so that I can just pull up my phone and right then and there, I can have it done in about 30 minutes to an hour. Good point. We discussed lending within that, and Thomas said that you know he really wants the, the lending piece in that, but Jared had a little different take. Yes, yeah, so right. I'd, I'd rather meet face-to-face for something like a loan. Mm-hmm. I think being able to actually get to know the other person definitely helps, and doing it over the phone, you have no idea who you're talking to. You're talking to a computer. I think that you could get a, maybe a better rate if you're talking in person. Uh, it's the building relationships aspect of banking. I don't think that's going to go away with lending. I think maybe opening accounts and deposits and all of that might, but I think lending overall will stay about the same. Do you feel that, uh, for lack of a better term, en- enhanced technology would, it, do you think that there's something that could accentuate that face-to-face personal relationship or would it completely detract from it all the way around? Uh. I don't think you would come. I don't think it would completely eliminate it. Uh, but overall, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I really don't see the aspect of building that relationship through the, through the phone, even over a zoom call. It's different. You know, yeah. it's, it's not nothing beats face to face. And you know, there, there's the, the data kind of backs up really kind of all, all of those points that there are, there's still significant numbers of uh, people your age and sort of in that in that millennial group, a little older, that they've they've really sort of divided their banking needs into sort of what they refer to as a motive and non-emotive. Um, you know, there's a personal, there's some, some some feelings around getting your first mortgage and buying a car. There's no, you know, unfortunately, right or wrong, there's very little emotion tied to opening up your checking account or ordering a debit card or things like that. And um, that's been sort of the trend. But at the same time, about as many people and this, I'm I'm, you're kind of y'all are proving this out to me that there's about as many people that can still maintain that emotive relationship, even through the phone or or through a computer or, or, or digitally. So. Yeah, I mean, you're you're y'all are right in line. What else is out there? What are some things that y'all are looking for? But Chance had something unique uh, perspective that that is coming up, so I'll let him talk about his thoughts. Sure. Something I'd like to see is like I already know lots of banks this year have been getting approved for like cryptocurrency in the future, and start offering services like that. I think there's like a huge market potential for the banks that are the front runners out there, especially for like the younger generation that's not afraid to embrace this new way of doing things. Yeah. What it offers. Yeah. That is going to be the, 
that's going to be a frontier that we got to figure out. Um, there's a lot of frontiers like that, that, uh, you know, the, the cannabis banking and, and uh, is a good example of, of that. We got to figure out how to do it. Um, you know, with the volatility that's inherent in that, how long are we going to park that on our balance sheet versus what you're to, to, to your point, everybody else is doing it. You know, it's, it's going to be part of the daily life at some level uh, for the American consumer. So there, there's a really interesting balancing act that's going to have to be figured out. But yeah, great, I, great point. I thought it was very interesting. I had an opportunity uh, to attend a great banking tech conference this week. And uh, several times this came up, talked about crypto and, and really surprised me was the response of some of the speakers were that, well, it's not in my lifetime. I'm not worried about it. You know, um, and others were saying it's just it's just not going to happen that really the crypto is pushed by the press. But if you talk to banks, they said from survey banks, and I don't know what survey or where they got it, but really that very, you know, just very, very few banks were taking it serious, even even looking at it. But it's, it's so hot in the press right now. You know, people talk about it. So, uh, you know, from the from the tech side, I think they have you know some legitimate concerns about how all this is going to work. Obviously, have to work through that. But at the same time, you know, it's a product that, as you know, Chance said, you know, there's consumers that are going to want somehow to tie that together. And yeah. so, again, how's that all going to wash out? I don't know. But it's you know, it is something that you know. It is going to need a lot of thought and discussion uh, of how it's all going to work because it's coming. I think I don't know at what level. Well, and, and y'all know if y'all I'm sure y'all done a lot of balance sheet management work because that's so interesting. <laughs> uh, but the uh, you know the, these banks that we got banks now that are uh, taking Bitcoin as an example, taking Bitcoin at Bitcoin at the ATM. Well, that's got to land somewhere, right? And so that probably likely going to land on a bank's balance sheet. And with the volatility that's around it, that, what's that look like in terms of uh, how, how do you reserve it? Just the basics. How do you reserve against that? How, how does that factor into it? Um, to say nothing of the mechanics of what rails you're going to put on, uh, on, um, uh, on how do customers are going to be using it. But that's interesting you brought that up. Um, was the Bitcoin. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's in y'all's thought process. Yeah, I think it could uh, offer a lot of help as far as transactions before <laughs> they, before it's offered to customers. Just for example, like when you swipe your card, that transaction isn't actually validated until a few days later. And if banks were to start using cryptocurrency, like for example, XRP, you only have to hold it on your balance sheet for about three seconds to validate the transaction. So that kind of solves that problem with the. It bond. would, it would on the on the payment side. Uh, it would solve that on the payment side. Um, we're starting to see the blockchain being used, and there's some rumblings about it uh, about it being used to uh, in lieu of or alongside some of the ACH or some of the old wire uh, rails. And so I think that might. David, I'd love to hear your insight on this too, but uh, that, that might start warming banks up to the underlying tech behind mm -hmm. that. Good deal. Yeah, very interesting and just, yeah, new and challenging. And 
Um, you know, they also the contractor they talk about the rails that we have and, and mm-hmm. do we really need a new rail? And so that that debate was going on too. It's also new. You know, it's uh, well. That's another thing. Like it's it's new. And right. to be completely honest, most board of directors at this point they're they're not they're not young. Right. If <laughs> so, they're not really interested in just switching it up real quick like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, there's a lot that have the Warren Buffett philosophy of, I don't understand it, I don't invest in it. You know, that's what he says about crypto. <laughs> yeah, you know, but then, there, but then there's a lot of good, uh, you know, there's a lot of good, smart people sure. out there that do understand it or are going to understand it even further as we do it. And I think we've got a room full of finance students, banking professional future banking bankers in here that do have a better understanding of it. Absolutely. And I think that's a, that's, that's very telling to, I'm glad I had this on record on tape or digital, um, figuratively speaking. Sorry. I'm glad I'm getting this reported to, to kind of show what the thought process is there. That's a good idea. That's very good. Well said, well said. What else? What are some things y'all are looking? Think about it from y'all that are wanting to start. uh, I know we've got a future regulator in, in there and, that's great. What are y'all think of the bank or the regulatory or the regulator as your next employer? What are some things y'all are looking for out of an employer in the banking world? I'd like to see someone who's open to these, these ideas. Yeah. It, that's at this point, even that's hard to find, you know, people sticking to the traditional way. I really wanted to switch it up, but people that are open towards new technology yeah. any sort of blockchain, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely Very well said. Go ahead. Sorry. Like, like regulatory wise, people that are already planning ahead so that they're not caught behind in ways that, that it's going to hinder banks that are trying to get into that industry. Because we see it time and time again, regulation comes out that it negatively affects the exact industry they're trying to protect. And so they're having to backtrack later on to try and help the smaller businesses survive. So I would like to take my knowledge of something like crypto and come up with regulation that allows smaller institutions to compete with the big boys that probably already have their foot in line. And they won't obviously be able to be big names, but they'll be able to help, you know, maybe your common person who just wants to own a few crypto coins. Very, very well said, and from a even from a regulatory standpoint, very, very well said. Thank you for uh, for saying that. Yeah, getting banks to be proactive is tough. It ha- there are some banks that are there are some great banks that are very proactive in working with regulators and are still trying to figure things out on along the crypto and the tech and things like that. Um, but it's kind of encouraging to hear a, regu- a future regulator talk. You know mentioned that man that's that's good thank you thank you what else what are some things y'all are looking for as from an employer let's get jc in here all right so, <laughs> putting you on the spot yes i did i put her on the spot she had talked about also the the phone banking really those were things that she was looking for but yeah you have any four-year wise i think you know what jared said just that you know, having somebody that is like wanting to expand and go into technology and, you know, stuff like that. 
Yeah. I'm really not good at like the podcast stuff. So I'm not a good, I'm not a talker. So. Oh, neither am I. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You could have fooled me. No, no, look, uh-uh. this is just, this is just redneck blowing the wind here, man. What, um, what about, and this, this is a little bit, have a little bit of self-interest. What, um, how, how do you, th- how do you view as a prospective employee, how do y'all view uh, a continuing education, not continuing education in terms of the certificates and all that, but, you know, learning more, having an employer uh, uh, provide for some training along, the way, whether it be a Barrett grad school or, you know, just a, a effective online training. How do y'all, how does that rank? It's very important because hmm. how am I going to be able to help the company if they're not giving me the tools to learn and give back to them? <laughs> I ought to end the podcast right there and just say, that's it. That's it. Right there. Boom. Thank you. Great point. No, I, I think you're right. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say did that and then post a very big Barrett's graphical logo. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and we're seeing that more and more companies across the industry, uh, across the, all industries, taking more serious time in, into their training and things like that. Good deal. Good deal. Well, what um, what I'd like to do? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's just my chair making noise. Sorry. Oh, um, what I'd like to do is, and man, I'm getting ready to probably show my age and uh, hopefully not my inexperience, but. Open up the uh, turn, turn the microphone around a little bit and say, "All right, y'all, fire away at some questions uh, uh, for the banking industry." And I'll do. Me and David will do our best to 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 answer them. Y'all had a year's worth of classroom training. Now you get to ask the questions. What What are some questions y'all have uh, for uh, for the banking industry? Ten years from now, where do you see like the presence of physical banks and office branches and that aspect of things? I, I see things going. My great question. Um, I see things going more towards uh, sort of like a spoken wheel model uh in terms of geography you're starting to see it with with banks like jp morgan chase and what they're doing like for instance and in, over across the river uh, in tennessee uh they'll have branches brick and mortar branches set up in a nashville area um that's high growth even by the on their terms high growth and then they may set up loan production offices or just get a banker on an iPad and an iPhone and pound the pavement, uh, ginning up business. And so that would obviously minimize the overhead. I don't see brick and mortar going away. Um, I, I see, I think there's going to be, there's obviously, I think there's going to be a reduction in brick and mortar. Um, but I think it's going to be repurposed into things. I use the Apple store uh, uh, illustration to where it is more rather than a walk-in do transactions, it's more engaging, interactive, consultive uh, in nature. Um, and strategically it being used uh, as sort of a landing base for a larger geography. Now 
you'll have things like CRA that's coming in and going to monitor branching. And so unless and until CRA changes in terms of branching, um, that's the way I, I, I kind of see that because it's going to be some branches that they won't let you close because of CRA. And it, I, I do think too, that we'll start seeing some branches uh, rethinking their square footage. We're seeing it a little bit across the industry. Uh, uh, Williamstown Bank, West Virginia, uh, Richwood Bank in Ohio start using, and they were doing this. Some uh, Richwood in, in Ohio was doing this before Capital One, but doing the uh, coffee, the coffee shop model. Um, I don't know if y'all know about this, but this is cool. Um, Richwood, uh, Ohio's bedroom community out uh, in Ohio, um, that they have created a coffee shop model and of course you know banks can't own a for-profit business like that but so what they do is they make the they do these coffees starbucks type menu and any of the proceeds goes to local charities and so it's a it's a fundraiser um, but the bank's not recognizing any income off of it and they've been able to put enough money and enough energy into it they saw double digit growth in deposit openings and double digit growth in loan applications from people coming in and getting a cup of coffee um, to say nothing of the really great amount of money that these places have been able to uh, uh, to raise in local areas and I thought this was cool just having been a small town guy myself uh, Friday nights, it's where the college kids before and after football games, they'll go to the coffee. Now, I'm sure they do other things. I'm not that naive, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, at Friday nights, they'll, they'll get a they before the football games, they'll come and get a cup of coffee. I think about that. Uh, you know, I grew up in a small town too. The last, and my dad was a banker. The last thing I wanted to do was go hang out in the dead gum bank lobby before a football <laughs> game. Now, again, I'm sure there's other things that they do later on, but, uh, you know, it was never even in my thought process to hang out and go study, you know, and have a coffee shop in the bank. Um, but they've been able to do that within the culture of their local communities. I think you'll see stuff like that. Uh, there's another bank up in Kansas City that's created a uh, little fintech uh, incubator for uh, some programmers in the area that have, um, you know, that, that they need a, they need a, they need some place to start roof over their head and computers and things like that. Uh, and they just figured out a way to make use of the square footage. And so I think you'll see things more like that. Uh, I don't think you'll see brick and mortar go away. Um, I think it's going to be implemented um, more strategically in line with uh, the digital. I think you're going to see a sort of a two pronged approach and that's going to settle out. There's going to be some efficiencies that settle out as a result of that. I don't think, even though, you know, with growth technology, we will ever get away from, there may be a time you really want to see a person, if there's some issue with my account or something, you know, I, I want to go visit with them. You know, I may have to drive 20 miles to do it, but at least I know there's a place where people are that I can go find somebody if I want to. Yeah. But in terms of like that, you know, the, 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 production the dollars and cents you know what's what's really driving revenue directly not that that customer service stuff doesn't drive production it 100 does but in terms of loan uh, deposit acquisition and loan production you know i think it's going to be a sort of a two-pronged approach and you know a nickel's worth of free advice here to aspiring bankers 
I think being able to read your customers and being able to move well in both spheres, uh, you know, being good on Zoom calls, being good with digital, being good with the technology, but also, you know, at the end of the day, there's nothing, you know, there's, there's still a lot to be said for going to the, going out to the farm with the farmer, riding the truck with, with him or her, um, going out and uh, calling on businesses face-to-face and, and doing things like that. Being able to move in, move in both spheres is going to be the, uh, the, the, the power skill, I think, that, um, that will designate the good they'll separate the great bankers from the, from the regular ones. That, uh, I've talked with them many times that that relationship piece to me was the most enjoyable part of my banking career. Oh yeah. Going to the small manufacturer, people love to show off their businesses. Oh yeah. Hey, come look at this. Let's go around. I'll show you how I came up with this idea or, you know, and, and, you know, so I don't think that piece ever goes away. Either. If it's all technical, we're still going to have, call programs and, and get out and visit all these people. They may, you know, do a lot of things on their phone, but still getting to know, especially your commercial accounts, um, that is just thoroughly enjoyable to visit and learn how people make money, how people, you know, you look, you scratch your head and sometimes you go, how did you think of that? How did you think you can make money with that? You know, but they do. It's great to see all the ideas. And, and one is, thing. That's, that's a big draw to the banking career to me. Is, yeah. Just, it is cool to see all this stuff. Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is people will never grow tired of talking about themselves, no matter what technology <laughs> is out there. Yeah, so, what else? Fire, what, that was a great question, by the way. Thank, that is the million dollar question that I, you know, spend a lot of time on the podcast and reading about on LinkedIn. I mean, that, that's dead on with some of the issues with one of the issues that we're facing right now. Good, good question. What else y'all got? I was going to kind of go back on that. You were talking about the coffee thing and kind of just like a socialization aspect of it. Do you think they're trying to make better use of that square footage to drive, say, foot traffic in the door when it's not necessarily just for a problem? Because a lot of times, you know, the only time I would go into a bank personally is if I have a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, we interviewed the guy, we interviewed the uh, CEO that came up with the idea and that was what drove the, uh, what drove the idea initially was foot traffic was down. Um, you know, and it's in a small town, small to medium size, uh, town. Um, you know, you don't really want to just go in and start axing, you know, the tellers that have been there. I, I know we've got a teller in there right now. Nobody wants to fire the tellers. I get it. Um, but, uh, been there, understand, um, you know, so that, that's the easy fix, but that in his mind and understandably, so that wasn't the right fix. Um, so what do you do in order to drive foot traffic? And the idea then is to obviously drive foot traffic. There's also an aspect of in community banking, I think, of, uh, to, kind of dovetailing off what uh, Dr. Curran was saying that you get to know your businesses, you get to know your customers, you, you also get to know your community. And I mean, y'all understand what financial intermediation is and its importance in the community. Um, bankers have a very strong, strong sense of duty uh, to their community because of what we do. And 
you know, in a town where, you know, I, I don't know the population off the top of my head, but, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people. And, you know, that's not a town of Starbucks that's going to come in very easily. If there's a need, you kind of kill two birds with one stone. The community needs it, and I got to drive foot traffic. Um, now, it doesn't have to be the coffee shop idea. There's lots of other ideas. And the, the folks up in Kansas City, it's going to be a different uh, it's going to be a different need. Um, but there are while while we're driving foot traffic and while we're providing a service that the community needs, hey, let's, uh, you know, think about our branch design to uh, accentuate some of the loan offerings. Let's train our people in the uh, in the lobby as they see Bubba come and get his cup of coffee every morning to actually talk to Bubba and, um, and, and, and talk to them. So now you're providing a context for a banking conversation, even if it's just a, Hey, how you doing? Did you catch the score last night? Um, so providing a context for that type of conversation. So like I said, it kind of kills two birds or more than two with, uh, with one stone. Um, functionally, it provides a better way, better use of their, uh, uh, of their square footage. And what we're finding uh, with in like for example in the one in West Virginia it's a uh, you know it, it as you start to rebrand uh, your branches and start to retrain and rethink how your front line thinks and that has to come from the top but as they start rebranding and retraining themselves along these lines um, the customers the small towns take note and it sort of feeds on itself hey you know that bank is you know, doing new things. They're, they're changed, you know, the, the lobby that's looked the same since 1975 Hey, they're changing. It looks good. They, you know, I like this look and they start, it starts building brand, uh, brand power, uh, uh, brand identity with, uh, with the bank and what they're doing in, in, in terms of the community. Good deal. What else we got? We um, they've uh, got just a couple more minutes. They have to uh, next class is going. So all right, <laughs> yeah, we will have to uh, join the discussion. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I did, have to move on. Uh, I understand. I understand, y'all. Uh, thank y'all for your time. I know this. Uh, you know, hanging out with you know two old guys like me and David probably not the <laughs> highlight of your list on do, things to do on a Thursday. But thank y'all. Uh, and, and for participating and, and willing to do something a little bit different. Um, best of luck to y'all in your, uh, in your careers. Uh, and I don't say this lightly, please uh, reach out to me if there's ever anything that, you know, I can help y'all do in your careers or you just need to bounce you more qu banking questions. I'm sure uh, Dr. Kern's the same way. Um, let me know. Be glad to help y'all any way we can. Uh, always glad to meet good, new, exciting, eager to learn bankers. So thank y'all. I really do appreciate your time today. That meant a lot. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you so much for inviting our students to do this and participate. And thank you for all you do for banking. And, and your podcast is amazing. And, and all the work that y'all do at Barrett, you just do so much for the banking community and really appreciate you and what all y'all do too. So thank thanks, you so Dave. Appreciate y'all. Thanks. Yes, sir. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on the latest episode. We'd also appreciate a five-star rating as well, as that will help get the content out to more listeners. 
We appreciate ICBA Securities for their sponsorship, and if you would like to know more about quality investment products, services, and education at competitive prices, check out their website at icbasecurities.com. And finally, if you don't follow Barrett on our social media platforms, be sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date with all the cool new things that we've got coming up. And as always, from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of banking, blues, and barbecue, thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a great day.